Today's sermon is entitled, I'm Taking the Day Off. I'm Taking the Day Off. Now, I know some of you really need this message. You really need to hear this one. Uh, So I've tailored it uh, just for you so you can make sure you really get a good glimpse of it. But St. Mark chapter 6 is a book that really helped me begin to analyze this concept of taking the day off or what I call taking a soul rest, Uh, a soul rest. Some of us need soul rests. We know that all businesses uh, have business hours, right? All businesses have business hours. So they say they're open Uh, you know, Monday through Friday from nine to six or whatever. So when we talk about the family business, as we are in the family business, and and I'm trying to teach a whole year on how to move people from the position of being an employee in Christ to being co-owners with Christ, managing the business of serving the Lord and sharing love in the world, that really church is a business. Ministry is a business. Even God said in Luke, he said, do my business until I return. So we are occupying until he returns. So every business has business hours, right? So if we're Christians and we say we serve the Lord, then we need hours within which we operate. And some people say, well, no, you the pastor, you the preacher, you're supposed to be accessible 365 days <laughs> of the year. Well, hold on a second. Hold on. Every business has business hours. Every business should have team members or staff members dedicated to cover those 24 seven or 365 type of situations. Uh, when I manage teams of uh, technical support, n- nine times out of 10 now, every business has gone to a uh, 24-7 around the sun uh, type of support, which meant that if I'm leading the team, I needed to make sure somebody responded to support calls 365, 24-7. Now, I'm not responding personally, but I assign people to be able to do that. So staff are given sick days. Staff are given leave. Staff are given what they call it, PO, PM, whatever time you get personal, PTO, personal time off. There you go. Um, You have vacation time. Why do you think businesses give staff time off? Because everybody needs a soul rest. You, You cannot work nonstop. You cannot be busy managing the kids, doing a job and, and, and trying to serve the Lord without rest. So I'm giving a word here that I think is going to help some people. It's true, right? That God created the earth in six days and then he rested on the Sabbath. So God created the earth in six days and he rested on the Sabbath. Well, if the Lord himself says, I'm taking the day off, should you not take the day off? But I know, I know you're one of those charismatic type A hero type of people who says, I can keep going. I'm like the Energizer Bunny. I'm not going to stop. You ain't God. And if God actually took a break, then so should you. So Monday through Friday, we are to work or whatever your work schedule is. But Saturday or Sunday or Monday, whatever your day off is, make it your day off. Take a rest, take a rest. 
The bottom line of rest is this. You shall do no work. Period. T with the, a T on the end. End of story. You shall do no rest. Uh, do no work. Uh, and it's funny because I looked at a friend of mine's post yesterday and he was up on some wood balcony somewhere talking about he's getting some rest. And this hasn't, this has happened too many times, too many times he's on the same page of where my message is. And I started to message him and tell him, you know, uh, you know, you, you got me again. You on, you on, you on sync with me again. And here he was taking a rest and just confirmation again that everybody, all of us needs some rest. Are you tracking? So in the book of Mark, there are multiple times where Jesus had to fight or struggle to secure time off. So taking a rest does not come easy. You have interruptions. I almost entitled the sermon Interrupted Rest, where life and different things interrupt your efforts to try to rest and it becomes a struggle to secure the time off. So if Jesus saw it necessary, uh, then so should we. It's a principle that Jesus was actively trying to teach his disciples. And some of you may say, ah, I know that, I know that. No, you don't. And I'm going to teach you some things or some aspects related to it to help you understand how to apply it to your life. Many of us do not rest adequately. Um, I won't tell that joke. I was <laughs> something from Kings of Comedy uh, that, that I remember. So even taking a rest had to be learned as a disciple. You have to learn as a process how to take a rest. Some of you have not learned that, and so maybe you'll get some help today. So let's look at some places in Scripture where Jesus is actively trying to get away to rest. He's actively trying to get away to rest. So let me give you the context today of Mark 6. I want to set the, the context for which today's lesson is going to be developed. Now, I ask you to read all of Mark 6 because I can't cover all of Mark 6. I'm going to start down at like 29 or 30, but I hope you read it so that you can be in the context. All right. So the context, listen, is really around the time. Listen, listen carefully. Now begin to pay attention. The context is around the rise of Jesus's ministry. You know, he's around the, uh, the 30 years of age. So all of this one to 29 years, we don't hear much about him. But now his ministry is picking up. There's growth. He's moving from ambiguity to notoriety. In other words, he's ambiguous before he gets into ministry and now he's beginning to be noticed, which increases. Watch this now. Listen, this is good, Lee Mack. This then increases supply and demand. Watch this now. This is why marketing is so powerful. I'm still teaching about the family business. Marketing is so powerful because it helps people know about you. But here's the caveat, little Ben. When people get to know about you, it increases the supply and the demand. The issue of supply and demand becomes a real issue when your notoriety increases. Ah, I feel him now. So Mark 6 is really in the setting of Jesus who begins now to start teaching and people begin to hear about who he is. 
The Bible said that in the first part of Mark 6, he said he was without honor in his own land. And it's funny because, you know, we're talking about how you establish your business, your franchise for Jesus, you're serving the Lord, you have your business and you want your business to grow. So as your business grows, as people begin to realize that you're a loving person, you're a compassionate person, or you're a helpful person, guess what? People want more of that. The supply and demand increases when people realize that you're able to help them. Now, so Jesus says, I'm not very helpful in my own hometown. A prophet is without honor in his own land. So he had to go out into the world to reach other people. So do not limit your services to your family and to your immediate surroundings. You will not establish notoriety with only your friends and a small clientele. You must market what your product or whatever it is your service you're providing or whatever product you're selling to a broader scope of audience. Remember I preached, I taught about establishing who your audience is. Everybody's not going to like not going to like your product. But don't assume a certain group will. I'll say that again. Not everybody is going to like your product, but don't lock yourself in by assuming a particular group will. So you have to anticipate that even the group that you think will like your product may reject your product. He said, I can't heal anybody here. And this was the beginning of his rise, which means he began to branch out. He began to go out further and people started hearing about him. So he goes out to people who don't know him. And Jesus then increases his reach. Watch this now. Not only did he go out further, but he established 12 different disciples. And he said, now you go out. He says, you take the same message and deliver it to the people you know. Ah, There we are. We're the franchisees. We are the franchise owners that Jesus established relationships and he sends us out to make these connections. He sent them to spread the gospel, but he also sent them to show them what they could do. God sends us not only to share the gospel, but he sends us so we can know what we're working with. Show us what you're working with. He wants us to see the power we have in prayer. He wants us to see the resources and the vitality we have to be able to help somebody on the curb. He wants us to be able to see that we can actually put someone through school. He wants us to see that we can provide clothes for somebody who doesn't. If you don't go out and try these things, then you'll always stay at home and pray about him. But once you get in the habit of learning what you can do, when you see the power of your resources and what God can do in your life, you start taking more risks. Oh, this is great business teaching. When we begin to establish ourselves in our business and we start doing things and we see that we did that, We start raising the bar and we start taking more risk. When we were in business uh, in technology, we were able to reach thousands of customers or we spun up a new product or a new app and we saw how many people we were able to reach and how effective it was. We said, well, let's hire a couple more people. Let's do it this way. Let's add this component onto it. When you begin to see that God is working in your life, you start taking more risk. You start trying 
trying to get the house. You start trying to believe God for the ministry building. You start believing God for things to heal people of cancer because you saw him heal your auntie last week of a flu or of COVID. You saw him do something. Now you're willing to take risks. Are you tracking with me? So in all cases, God is in charge of whatever we're experiencing. So they preach, they heal, and their notoriety began to rise. So not only was Jesus taken off, people were hearing about him, but people were hearing about his disciples. My point is, people are going to begin to hear about your service, your franchise in the earth. It is in this context of growth in ministry that we see our Savior teaching his disciples the importance of, here it is, I want you to say this with me throughout the sermon as we go, the importance of taking the day off, all right? So this is where the Savior teaches his disciples the importance of taking the day off. So as your notoriety picks up and as your service picks up and as supply and demand picks up and you begin to take more risks, now increases the probability or the responsibility for you to implement what? Taking a day off. As we serve in the family business, there are a number of ways of being in the family business that impact us and require us to take days off. Serving the Lord is unique and it has some different caveats than just corporate business, but a lot of them certainly overlap. And I want to share with you today the first aspect to discuss how we are impacted to take a day off is emotional impact. Let's talk about emotional. Let's talk about these the aspect of being emotional and how emotional situations require or ebb us into a greater uh, 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 position of needing to take a day off for rest. Let me share this story with you. I tell you this story about a funeral right after losing my Uncle Lily. Pumpy Lee Dirks was his name, but we called him Uncle Lily. And Uncle Lily would come and he would pull our hair. Every time he would see us, he'd say, I got to get a pluck. I got to get a pluck. And he would come and try to pluck our hair and say, leave us alone, Uncle Lily. And he'd pluck it real hard. And he would, um, he would have all this, this unique relationship, but he passed away. And I went to his funeral. Uh, and uh, uh, not long after, I was on ministry at a church in Inglewood. And so right after my uncle passed, I went to serve in the church for a funeral for someone who had passed in the church. Here's what happened. At the funeral, guess what? I was jacked up because everything about that funeral that I was in emotionally stirred up memories of the funeral I was just in with my uncle only a few days earlier. You get what I'm saying? So my point is it was too soon for me to be involved in another funeral when I hadn't adequately processed the emotions of my uncle's funeral. Ah, watch this. So sometimes when you experience something really emotional, be careful about how you go into ministry or doing something for somebody that requires your emotions. You may need a day off. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? So in this next text, we see how the death of John the Baptist impacted Jesus for rest. Jesus was in the same situation. His friend, his buddy, John the Baptist, had got killed. 
And so Jesus, through that emotional experience, was prompted to be able to take a rest. Jesus, we're going to learn in just a minute, went to the desert to rest, to find some private time. And the disciples had to come to meet him because he was in an emotional state. Let me show you the passage. Matthew 14 and 13, I'm going to go to first. But the passage is mentioned in Mark 6. If you read it, you'll see. But Matthew 14 gives a a more descriptive, detailed description of it. The text says, he sent and had John beheaded in the prison, talking about King Herod. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. His disciples came and took away the body and buried it, and they went and reported to Jesus. Now when Jesus heard, watch this now, about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. So here's what I want you to understand. This story is showing that in the rise of Jesus's ministry, if you read it in in Mark 6, you'll see that people were beginning to hear more about this Jesus. They were beginning to hear about this preaching and this gospel. So King Herod began to notice him. And so some people were saying, well, Jesus was John the Baptist coming back, or that he was Elijah, that he was this prophet. And so because of the notoriety, he caught the attention of the king. Uh, Watch this now, I'm telling you. When you start doing what you're called to do, when you start manifesting the gift of God in your life, people take notice. And then they began to equate you with other like figures in the world. Oh, you're like this personality. You're like this celebrity. Don't get duped to fall into that. Uh, if I had time, I'd, I'd go into that. Never mind. Some people were thinking that Jesus had returned from the dead. So even, watch this now, even in the height of his success, Death was happening. You are not exempt from life and you will need to plan for rest. Nobody knows when somebody's going to die in most cases. So the family business is emotional. Jesus heard that John had died and he said, I need to go to a secluded place. The disciples came, took care of the body, buried him. Jesus said, I need some what? Time off. I need to take a day off. So sometimes, listen to this, sometimes I can hardly speak after service on Sunday. I am literally drained from the spirit. My soul is actually famined because I've given everything emotionally from me to you. To care for those you pray for is emotional. To feel their pain is exhausting at times. Some say, oh, PC is just an email. No, it's not just an email. It's what's in the email. I have to not check my emails. I have to not respond to every text. I have to guard my time because to be a franchise or a server or a Christian, a worker in the body of Christ, serving God is emotional. Somebody ought to say amen. 
Listen, because once I read that email, once I read that text, once you tell me to pray for you, I have taken it to heart. And now my emotions are drawn to your pain or your success. Loving is exhausting, right? Parenting is exhausting, not just from running around, not just going on dates, but because of the love that's involved with it, right? So love is emotional and you can love people and need a break. Oh, you missed it. You missed it. If love is emotional and emotional high times require a day off, then high emotional moments may mean you need a break from loving at that level. Ah, watch this. Jesus cared, right? He was moved with compassion, and we'll see that later in scripture. Because he cared, because he loved John the Baptist, he needed a day off. Some of us need to realize the importance of what? Taking a day off. I hope you're saying it with me. Don't just have me doing it by myself. But Jesus is the highest person of caring and having compassion. And he needed time to go pray. He needed a break from his disciples. So emotional situations cause us to have to take some time off. All right, that's enough of that. Let's move to the next one. One aspect is emotional. A second aspect is professional. Professional interactions cause us to need a day off. Most of us have relationships that are emotional. We have children, we have spouses, we have boyfriends, we have girlfriends, we have uh, um, things we're doing that draw emotional. Some of y'all are too emotional from watching TVs, watching, watching movies that jerk your emotions. Anyway, professionally though, we have interactions that cause us to need time off. By professional, I mean the demands of the people we work with require us to take a day off. You thinking you thinking it's just the work. No, I'm telling you sometimes it's the people at the work that require us to take a day off. Inter-office interaction often is more stressful than the work we do itself. Somebody ought to say amen and hallelujah. I mean, somebody should just be turning around in their seat or jumping up and doing somersaults. We know that inter-office interaction, every office building has drama. Every office has a special person that gets on everybody's last nerve. Or you have a unique person that you just don't get along with. Professional interactions drain us. It's not always bad interactions either. It's just that humans draw from us and they pull from you because they are like us. Oh God, you're going to miss this. I'm telling you, when you put yourself beside something, it draws or it pulls. It There is an exchange. Even the cell phone industry understood the, the, the benefit of compatibility, that if you put the phones together, you can transfer information. Ah, God, I wonder uh, if I could spin that off in terms of intimacy between husband and wife, that when you come together, there is a, tra- yeah, that, I could, but I won't go there. My point is, whenever you are around humans, whenever you're in the space where other humans are, there will be be a transaction in that some people will pull from you or some people will add to you. 
So we have the ability, watch this now, to both drain and we have the ability to add. I'm going to say that again. We have the ability to drain and we have the ability to add. It's not just the pain I feel when you hurt, but it's the exhilaration I express when I know that you have succeeded. I'm literally happy for you. And sister girls, queens, y'all to know about holding each other up. Don't say I support your girlfriend, but I don't see really no passion from it. That them just words. I, I, I don't believe you. When I would leave, listen, when I would leave people's graduations, sometimes we don't do this anymore, but old school church, the pastor was a regular attender for families, kids, graduations, not just for funerals and not just for hospital visits. They would invite you to their, their promotions and their graduations and all of these types of things. So when I would go, I would literally be there. I would be exhausted after it was done because I was engaged. I cared about the family. I'm not just there as a lump on the bleachers. I'm there because it's the family business. And if you call yourself being a part of the family business, you must be invested from the soul. Amen. Take a look at this. Let me show you this passage of scripture. It says then in Mark 6, verse 30 through 31, it says the apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. So remember, I told you that the disciples went out and they taught and they healed, but they came back and they reported to Jesus all they had done. So verse 31 says, he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. So here he goes again saying, after you have told me, after you have told me what you have done, after we had this staff meeting, I'm saying to all of us, let's go to a secluded place and let's chill for a minute. Are you tracking? So I must be fair. Listen to me. Listen, Jesus was listening. Jesus was not teaching. Jesus was listening to the disciples tell him all that they did, all that they taught, all the healings they they did. And Jesus said, from listening, he said, we need a break. (laughs) He said, we need to find, listen, what I'm trying to get you to see is that it's not always teaching that requires you to take a break. Simply listening in a professional capacity Oh my God, as a manager, as a a chief officer, I would have to listen and do one-on-ones with staff members. And those one-on-ones get draining. And all I'm doing is what? Listening. I'm cat-dogged. I must be fair and not just assume, Cynthia, that my speaking for an hour is draining for me on Sundays. But listening is draining as well. All of you, Tia, Sharon, Ben, all of you listening for an hour, if you're really listening from the soul, I get it. You need a break too. Paul preached so long one time. Lee Mack, you probably laugh at this one because I know I know you don't like long, long prayers and preaching. Listen, Paul preached so long one time, someone fell asleep while he was preaching, fell out the window of the house and he died. Paul was preaching so long, the man slept and fell out the window. But here's the, here's the thing we notice that because Paul knew what he was working with, he goes downstairs, sees that the guy dies, 
puts his hand on him, brings him back to life, and then goes back upstairs and starts teaching again. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. My point is, you can make mistakes or you can be drained, but you can refresh it. You can replace it. You can change it. That God puts you in a position to be able to reverse course. But the problem with most of us, if people die or fall out of a window and die, we keep preaching. We just keep on going. And therefore, we cannot help the people who really need help because we won't stop. We won't stop. <laughs> Never mind. In the professional realm, if you're ever attending a training or a workshop that you're really interested in, it takes something out of you. How many of you have been to a workshop? You go, the job is paying for it, but you're really interested in this course. When you take that course, by the time that training is over, I'm telling you, some people say, I'm going to training all this week. That's going to be fun. I don't have to work. When I go to training, I don't like it. Why? Because I really get drained. I get drained because I'm taking in new information. Now, some of you, I know you cheat. You just go there and you're looking on your phone the whole time. You ain't paying attention. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are really trying to grow. So I understand that as you try to learn this material I'm giving you about the family business, it's draining to those who are really invested. It's like how you feel after you eat a whole lot of food. I mean, have you ever done it? You eat a whole lot of food and you sit there and you're like, whoo. I'm done, girl. Woo. Oh, preachy. I'm done. I, you're wasted, right? So sometimes listening can waste you. Jesus listened to their stories. He was their mentor. He was their manager. And he was excited that they saw uh, what they saw, what they taught. He affirmed their powers. He was saying, good for you. You guys did a great job. He was so excited, but he said, now let's go take a break. It's not just that Jesus was suggesting rest for them, but he was also suggesting rest for him as well. Why? Watch this, because more was to come. And that's the thing we have to understand. We think if I just keep going, if I just keep going, you forget that something else is coming. I often like to remind people that the next day starts at midnight when we are actually asleep. The next day starts at midnight when we are asleep, which means we rest before the next day's work. Some some people rest retroactively. In other words, you're resting for the time that you actually did previously. But I'm trying to get you to see Find time to rest for what's ahead of you. Don't say I'm tired because of the day. Say I'm tired because I need to do something ah, tomorrow. Oh, I like this. It's what's ahead that we need rest for. Watch this now. Shauna, listen to this. I know you like this one. Many people celebrate the year of marriage that they finished. But Joy and I, we celebrate the year of marriage that we're beginning. We try to celebrate the year we're beginning by going somewhere to get some rest. Not for what we just came through, but for what is yet ahead. We try to see our trip or our vacation as not as a celebration of the past, but as a celebration. Girl, we got a new year ahead of us. Come on, let's get ready for what's coming up. We got new ventures. We got new vision. There's new things that God wants to do with us. So we celebrate. Some people say, well, how many years you got? They say, well, you got 20 years. Well, we don't say we got 20 years completed. We got 21 years. We're going... 
we're going into 21, our 21st year or whatever. And that's, so whatever your number is, 30, 20, whatever, 14, 50, whatever it is, I'm saying to you, prepare your rest for what is ahead. Start living your life in preparation, not trying to retroactively fix what has gone wrong, but to forget those things which are behind and press toward that which is ahead and say, I need to get ready for, who gets ready on a date for a date that happened last week? That's dumb. You get ready for a date for somebody that's coming. Somebody ought to say, God has something that's coming my way and I want to be ready for it. I want to get ready for what God has. In st- Let me explain it to you this way. Let, let's go a little further here. Let's, let's move on then from the professional and let's move to the social. So look at this now. Let's talk about this social aspect. Jesus understood that the family business would begin to experience greater success. The family business would begin to experience greater success. So anyone who experiences growth in business has to deal with the question of supply and demand. Uh, watch this, because the better you are at something, the more ways you need for people to access you. Uh, watch this now. We're talking about social connectivity, that when people begin to see that you have something to offer in your life, you need multiple ways of access. Uh, so people ask you, why you not on Instagram? Why you not on Facebook? Why you not on Twitter? Why you not on TikTok? What they're saying is, I need more of you, or I'm interested in more of you. Just being on Facebook may not be enough for people. So every day in our social world, there are transactions of supply and demand on every social media platform. When you're on Facebook, there is an era or or an idea of supply and demand. You post a picture as of you supply the supply, and then how many people like it, how many people view it, determines the demand. Are you tracking? So on the social media platforms, even on those platforms, we are engaging in the business transaction of supply and demand. And to the degree of your notoriety or business success franchise serving the Lord, doing something good for people determines whether or not people respond to what you post or what you... Ah, God, I hope you get this. With the success you have to be able to deal with the fact that the business is growing because what you're doing is effective. And there are people who actually want or need what you are offering. So if in the family business, the product is love, the product is Jesus, then if we present him right, he will have an impact on people and therefore more people will desire him through us, which means demand for you to supply Jesus will increase. God, I'm preaching. There's an listen. There's an episode of Frasier. I like Frasier. Uh, Frasier uh, uh, and Niles. Um, so there's an episode on Frasier where they came across this really good batch of caviar, and the demand. They started giving it to their friends and selling it to their friends. But it was so good. Remember, Joy. It was so good that the demand began to be greater than they could supply. <laughs> 
It's good supply. So they started going through all of these nefarious ways or taking greater risks of endangerment to try to meet the need of the demand. Now watch this. I'm getting this. I'm getting this for you. And that's what happens. We get excited because people want us. We get excited because people need us. But when they do that, the demand increases. And if you're not careful enough to take a break or to take a day off, then you will miss ways of how to strategically plan to meet the demand. You cannot keep the supply up with the demand when you do not rest. I'll say that again. You cannot keep your supply up with the demand when you do not rest. Because the more you crank out, the more you do, the more people want. I tell people all the time, people will keep doing whatever you let them do to you. So if you keep letter. You don't set boundaries. You don't pull away. They will keep doing whatever. If you keep giving it to them, they'll keep taking it. So as long as you thinking you're going to get a break, we'll talk about that later, but you're not. They're going to keep taking it. You will never be able to keep up with the, with the demand if you don't take time off to replenish your supply. And this is what taking the day off means. Taking the day off means trying to keep the demand from becoming greater than your supply. That's all it is. All I'm trying to say is Live your life in a way to where you you keep the, the, the demand from being greater than your supply. Let me show you the passage of scripture, how Mark talks about this. Mark says it this way, verse 31 through 34, he says, and he said to them, come away by yourselves. Here it is to a secluded place and rest a while. So this is after they decided, you know, hey, we came back, we talked and he says, you know, this is what I want you to, to do. Let's take a secluded, let's take some time. Why? For there were many people coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. How many times have you been working and you didn't take lunch? You didn't even take lunch. You don't have, you're telling me you don't have time to eat? I remember talking to myself in the kitchen the other day. I said, you have to eat, Cherry. You have to eat. That is, that's regular. That's a protocol. He said they didn't have time to eat. So then he says in 32, they went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. So they obeyed Jesus. 33, the people saw them going and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. So they went on boat. People saw them on the boat, ran on the land, got to where they were going. So their rest was interrupted. Verse 34 says, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So do you see there? There's the type A. There it is right there. He begins to teach them, even though he had the opportunity to begin to share with them in their rest. He wanted to rest. He saw the people ran up there to try to take more advantage of his time. And when he saw them, he had compassion and began to teach them. Jesus says this, rest before things really blow up. That's all I'm saying. For many of you who are listening to this family business, your business hasn't taken off. Your franchise hasn't taken off. And you're learning now what your gifts are and that you're getting ready to go into service for God. I'm saying to you, while you're learning your gift, learn how to rest. Jesus was saying, prepare for what's about to come. You think you're blowing up. You think 
things are tough now, he says, there are more things to come. That's what the text says. He says, come get away. There were many people coming and going. There's going to be many people who want what you have. So he says, let's go get some rest for what is ahead. So the real work, listen, the real work is navigating the demand. The teaching and the healing is what you do, but the work is managing the demand. You will need rest for that. Do you get what I'm saying? Jesus is not saying rest so you can teach and so you can heal. That's your gift. That comes natural. What you need rest for is how to manage the demand on your life. Most businesses get in trouble because they don't know how to handle crises. They don't know how to handle bad publicity. They don't know how to handle the demand, a bad customer service, uh, a Yelp, bad report on Yelp gave you a one star. Most people don't plan to manage the populace. We don't plan, how are we gonna manage a thousand people? All we care about is teaching. All we care about is preaching. Well, let's 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 build a church and let's just let the church seats 25 people. But you on online talking about you're an international ministry with 25 seats in your building. Something don't match. My point is, unless you have a plan for the growth that you're preaching about, you will not match in agreement with that. So the point is here, now with this social element, people will begin to demand from you. So because the demands of people press you emotionally and press you socially, they challenge your performance. Once you become a big church or a big business, People want you to perform. People want BMW to act differently than Honda. Do you get what I'm saying? People people want Mercedes. They want Land Rover to do something different than Toyota. Do you get what I'm saying? People start saying, when you go to a restaurant that's five star, you look for certain things and say, hold on, no, no, no. This My glass is not supposed to have spots on it. Maybe at Denny's or something like that. No diss on Denny's, but I'm just saying any other restaurant, I'm saying. So people begin to challenge challenge your performance. They challenge your appearance. They challenge your acceptance into mainstream society. Let somebody blow up and be, be really good. And then first thing people say, well, you know, I, I, I knew them back when. Well, Jesus already told you without honor in your own land. It's your good people. It's your family, your people, your ace boons, your next to your people who'll be the first ones to shoot you down. But people want to find a reason for you not being as good as what you are. People are always plugging and looking for it, they, what they call it, uh, negative ad campaigns. They look for the dirt on your life because they don't want to celebrate. God, this is good teaching. I hope you're getting. Socially, people want to see if you're likable. I'm uh, reading President Obama's book, former President Obama's book, 44. I'm, I'm reading his book and it talks about how he was in, inefficient. He was deficient in certain areas in running for president, but his likability gave him an edge on some of, some of his opponents. And I'm saying to you, it is not always about business. There's some jobs I got because of my personality, my likability, my ability to adapt. It wasn't my degree. It was people want to know at the end of the day, can you do the job? If you can show people that you can do the job, it's not about, do you have eight degrees and 12 workshops? No, people want to listen. All I'm trying to say is your appearance communicates social extraction and reciprocity, how you live, how 
you speak to people, how you make choices. People are watching you every day, whether you say something to somebody or not. People are, when you are walking by people, they are draining you. They are draining you with their eyes. Why? Because they're judging you. They're looking you up and down. They're establishing stereotypes. In other words, they are pulling from your appearance so cat dog it. So just to adapt socially can be exhausting if you care enough about it. You care about how people think about you. You care about what my neighbor thinks. You care about what my classmate and my friends think. If you let that be in your head, it can be exhausting. The gospel and teaching and healing don't demand that from you. It's people who suck you dry. It is not the gospel you're giving. It is not the teaching that you're giving. It's the pull socially. God dog it. All I'm trying to tell you that counseling is not draining for me because of the counseling. It's draining because the people I'm counseling are pulling from me. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm saying socially. Stop putting the emphasis on the work. The work is the work. It does not drain. It is the interactions you have socially to perform for the people you're working. Oh man. Oh man. I hope you're, are you track? Are they tracking or anything? Please help me understand. These things you do are your gift and you're good at them. They don't drain you like people do. The disciples would soon learn that rest had to be fought for. They had been coming and going so much. People would be coming and going. They hadn't even had time to eat. So when they went to rest, the people found out that they were going to the other side and they ran down the street. They ran down the other side of the of the, uh, the riverbank and said, we're going to meet them on the other side. They get there and the rest was interrupted. So they couldn't even get some sleep. They couldn't even. Jesus sees them. He says, oh, rest interrupted. Jesus had compassion on them because they were hungry and he said, all right, then I'm going and I'm going to take care of you. Jesus gave them what they wanted in order to keep their ear to teach them. This is powerful. Listen to this. This is the Sharita. Jesus gave them what they wanted in order to keep their ear to teach them. Sometimes you have to do this, but make sure you reschedule the rest, not skip it. Sometimes I've had to, I've had a rest schedule, but because the demand actually required me to respond, I did that. But instead of skipping the rest, I rescheduled the rest. So in other words, just make sure you don't just take it off calendar altogether. But then Jesus admonished the people there. He said in John 6, 26, he said to them, he said, listen, Jesus said, I say unto you, you seek me not because you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you ate loaves and were filled. He said, labor not for the meat that perishes, but for that meat that endures unto everlasting life, which the son of man shall give unto you for him, the father of seal. He said, there are those who only follow you for what you have. There are some people who only want to eat at your house. And I'm saying to you, while you may make some exception to say, okay, I'll feed you in this situation so that I can keep you around, so that I can give you the larger truth. When people don't hear your larger truth, but all they do is come around for the food, Jesus said, woe unto them. He said, that's not who you want to stay in contact with. But watch this. I think this is powerful. When you take a reboot, when you take a rest from even the people who only come around to eat, he says, take a rest, take a reboot. And when you reboot, you have more strength to deal with them. But most of us don't stop 
And the people who irritate us over and over again, what do we do? We cut them off. And instead of being able to reach them, we no longer can reach them with the gospel. So I'm saying instead of cutting everybody off in your life that irritates you or drains you to the end, take a rest, refresh and be able to deal with them. Why is that important? Because you're an avenue of getting them the gospel. You're still trying to teach them the word of God. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? Uh, too much Christian cut off and, and it, it's, just, it's just too much. So let me go then to this next part. We've got that socially and then let's talk about ecological. Let's talk about the ecological. So far we've talked about how the family um, business can require a day off from the emotional perspective, the professional perspective, and the social perspective. Now I want to mention the ecological perspective. I want to discuss this, this aspect of the ecology. And the ecology is the branch of biology that deals with the relations of organisms to one another and their physical surroundings. So in other words, the ecology or the impact of organisms or living things, how they interact with their environment or physical surroundings can have impact on your need to have rest. Webster says it's a branch of science that's concerned with the interrelationship of organisms with their environments. Basically, the human ecology is just life. In other words, as you live from day to day in your surroundings and environment, life alone can be reason enough to take a day off. Are you tracking? So let me explain how the storms of life keep on raging and you will need faith to rest. So ecologically, you need this rest. Look at what the text says. The text says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go. And here, do, do you see verse 45? It says, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. They didn't want to go. They didn't want to take a break. He made them get on the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he himself was doing what? Sending the crowd away. He was sending the crowd away. So then he says, after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. And when it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he alone, he was alone on the land. So the boat that the disciples were on encountered a storm. A storm started raging. Verse 48 says, Jesus seeing them straining at the oars for the wind was against them at about the fourth watch of the night. He came to them walking on the sea. So this is between, this is like uh, uh, 12, four o'clock in the morning, two, three o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. He came to them walking on the sea and he intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and they cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified, but immediately he spoke with them and said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. So what Jesus was teaching here was that the ecological elements of life, the storms of the sea, the sea that hosts or carries the boat that you're in sometimes may act up. 
that life just turns flips all of a sudden that you're going to rest you're going i remember we went to rest uh we went to rest somewhere and we were uh, i forget what it's called and we went to rest with by the beach and you, when you're by the beach storms can happen right so we had to cut our rest short because we myrtle beach myrtle beach in the Carolinas, right? So we 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 cut our uh, our time short because the storm said they said if you don't leave now, you ain't <laughs> yeah you aren't going to be able to get out of here. So what Jesus was saying is that life sometimes just acts up. Your kids, all of they just act up. The storm acts up and rest won't come easily. And you got to do everything you can to protect it. You got to have a plan and a backup plan. So the text said just after they had fed the 5,000, they had just finished feeding 5,000. And once again, Jesus said, listen, we've exhausted. We just fed 5,000 people, y'all. He says, get on the boat, go to the other side. I'll send the people away. Once again, Jesus saying, I got this. You go rest. I got this. I don't need you to manage. Listen, you're a franchisee. You're not the company. You're the franchisee. You have a a franchise of the bigger business. So Jesus had to make them get on the boat. They didn't want to go, all right then, Jesus, we'll go. Jesus sent the disciples away while he sent the crowds away. Jesus handled the demands. You go get the rest. Stop saying you need to save the world. Jesus came to save the world, not you. So even after Jesus sends the crowd away, he goes to a private place to pray. Jesus even needed time away from the disciples. He said, you get on the boat. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to take care of people. I'm going to go pray for a minute. I catch up. That's what he said. He said, I catch up with you. He took break from, he took a break from his disciples. When he was done, he returned to the disciples who happened to be getting interrupted again. And so when their, their rest was interrupted, Jesus saw when it was interrupted, what I'm trying to get you to see, when life acts up, here come Jesus. It's walking on the water. He intended to pass them by because he didn't, he didn't think that they were going to recognize him. They thought he was a ghost. He was going to leave them to themselves. But when he saw them straining at the oar, and that's what life is without rest. Everything is straining. You're stressful. You got bumps on your face and extra hips. You got extra stuff happening, headaches and migraines because you won't take the rest. Why? Because life is hitting you like Mike Tyson is digging you a blow. Pow, pow, pow. And in those times of interrupted rest ecologically, Jesus comes alongside and says, do not be afraid. It is I. I am here. And when you need to lay down and you're worried about life, lay down anyway. Jesus got it. When Peter and the disciples were on the boat, he was asleep on the boat. The disciples said, Jesus, don't you care that we about to drown? Jesus got up from the hole, came up top to the boat and said, hey, Rene, hey, Rene. He said, peace, be still. The waters laid down. He went back down, went back to sleep. In other words, he said, why are you doubting me? In other words, you don't need to worry about the waves. I got this. If you get some rest, just know God got your kids. I cannot rest. My kids are, they do, my kids are like me. They're mischievous. They, they into everything. They, they do, they got minds of their own. I would kill myself worrying about them day in and day out. I must rest in the Lord. Is anybody tracking with what I'm saying? So Jesus goes to them. 
He calms them down saying it's me. And now you need to understand that your rest is contingent upon letting me handle the storms in your life. All right, I got to go. So we've discussed emotional, professional, social, and ecological. I just want to tell you the logical reason for taking the day off. This one is quick. This one, you're going to, this is just easy. Logically, listen, stop saying to yourself, once I finish this, things are going to let up. You are not being logical. Stop it. You know, I, once I finish this one, I'm going I'm, I'm to fin- finish this and I'll be good. No, that is not logical. Logic says if you keep meeting their demands, they're going to keep demanding. In other words, it won't stop. Life won't stop. Emotional situations won't stop. Social demands won't stop. You got to work professionally. It won't stop. Ecologically, life happens. It won't stop. The demands won't stop. So stop logically saying it's going to stop. It's not going to (sighs) stop. So look at the text. In conclusion, I'll leave you with these verses. 53 says, when they had crossed over, they came to land and to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. In other words, they got close to the shore. They went to the shore. 54, when they got out of the boat, what happened? When they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. God dog it. I can't go nowhere. And ran about the whole country and began to carry here and there on their pallets those who were sick to the place that they heard he was. Jesus over there in Gennesaret. Go get your sick people. Go bring them. Go bring your, your cousin who got epilepsy. Go get your cousin who had a stroke. Go get go get your neighbor down the street who's having high diabetes and high blood. Go get it. Go get it. And they're following him. I'm telling you, it's not going to stop. So 56 says, wherever he entered villages or cities or countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces. Wherever he was, there they were. And imploring him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak the hem of his garment and as many as touched him were being cured I came to tell you today that just as soon as Jesus gets some prayer time in and tries to rest with his disciples after toiling all night on the stormy sea he gets to shore and there the people are waiting for him logically speaking there's going to always be somebody somewhere who needs what you have it was almost as if he was the safest went on the water as long as he stayed in the boat and can nobody get to him so i'm telling you rest is a place to get away from don't try to rest around the people you're trying to serve get away from the people you're serving that's the only way it can be rest when they finally get to the other side jesus sees them they brought all their sick people and said man come on we got to be wherever he is and once again once you begin this lifestyle The demands won't ever stop. You must find time to rest. Once people know Pastor Cherry can pray, once you know people know Pastor Cherry will come and visit, once you know Pastor Cherry cares, once people know you care, cousin, once people know, Cheryl, that you care and that you're a blessing, people are going to demand. So here's my conclusion to you. My conclusion is this. The point of this is that it is Jesus who is famous. It is not us. It is Jesus who is famous. Keep it in perspective. You can take the day off because it's really about Jesus. It's not about you. He can handle the people. You need to handle the product. In other words, focus on your teaching, your gifting, get your rest. But the demands of the people, and you know, businesses hire uh, PR firms. They handle outside consultants to handle the, the people demands, the crisis situations. 
They usually bring in outside people so they can focus on the business. And I'm telling you, stop trying to respond to every person's rebuttal, everybody's email, every customer who's mad at you, every person who dislikes your appearance, every person who didn't like the song you did, every stop trying to respond to them. Give that to Jesus. Cast your cares upon the Lord and you go rest. Stop sitting at lunch, not enjoying lunch because you're worried about what people said on your Instagram feed. Stop responding to let Jesus, God dog it. I hope I'm helping. He can handle life's demands. Make sure you rest. The whole time in every interruption, Jesus was in control. He was in control over John the Baptist's death. He was in control over the crowd that met him on the other side of the lake. He was in control of the storm that the disciples were tugging on the sea with. And in each case, Jesus handled all of it. And he says, you just get some rest. Haven't I shown you I got this? I got your rent. I got your mortgage. I got your people. I got your ex. I got the drama. I got all that stuff. Stop getting caught up in the mess and the drama. Get some rest. I like this passage, Mark 7, 24, and you can write this one down. Mark 7, 24 says, he cannot be hidden. Jesus said, the Bible said, Jesus, everywhere he went, he could not be hidden. But I got news for you. We can. (laughs) Jesus can't be hidden, but we can. They would track him down wherever they went, wherever he went. And I don't think Jesus had issues with resting while he was in ambiguity. But it's a lesson to learn in ambiguity so we're ready for notoriety. Because often, notoriety is sudden. Ah, I'll give you this last little bit. Antonio and Shanika, listen to this. Notoriety is often sudden, which means you don't have time to get ready to handle the populace. God says, I'm teaching you now while nobody knows who you are to learn the principles of getting rest and learning how not to respond to the negative demands of people. I'm teaching you. You won't even know it. You're going to go to sleep one night. You're going to wake up in the morning and you'll have a thousand views on your video or there'll be 2000 purchases of the necklace you're selling or whatever product it is. You, you can go. I'm telling you, Jesus went from obscurity to notoriety overnight. Do you hear me? And you won't have time to get people. Well, I need a PR. I need to, I need to find this. You don't have time for that. I taught you about the team. Hire people. Be friends with people. Get relationships with people you trust right now so that when somebody gives you a $100,000 check, you got an accountant already, somebody you trust on the team to do something with that. You don't hire somebody you don't know to handle millions of dollars overnight. No. You hire somebody you trust. And those relationships have been building over time because the thing that God is going to do in your life is going to be sudden. I hope that I've helped you today because I'm taking the day off. I'm PC and that's all I've got.